Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right another week, and we've got a playoff game on Sundays. The Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 222. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I sit down with Greg Cosell to talk about what I just called a playoff game. It's essentially a playoff game. The Eagles win. They are in to the postseason against the New York Giants. We're going to break down that matchup. But first, before we get there, we're going to break down everything we saw on film from the Eagles win over the Dallas Cowboys at Lincoln Financial Field this past Sunday evening. Just an awesome game to watch on both sides of the football. A lot of different takeaways for myself and for Greg. So we'll hit on that at the top of the show. After that, I'm going to dive into my notes on Giants rookie quarterback Daniel Jones from this year's draft, 2019 draft coming out of Duke in our scouting report segment. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the top of the show here. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, back again for another edition of Chalk Talk here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, our friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Greg, it's a big one this week, man. Another Every game now gets bigger for, for this Philadelphia Eagles team. E-A-G. Sorry. That's right. I, I, mean, got, I got carried away, Fran. No, I mean, I, you if, know. You, if you were uh, at the stadium, you heard plenty of that. Which I was not. But, yeah, uh, plenty of that on Sunday. Um, it was uh, a ridiculous atmosphere. You got a, a lot I'm of sure credit fans. Playoff atmosphere, for sure. They came to play. The Eagles offense, defense right. both came to play. Um, a really fun game to kind of break down because I thought there were a lot of really cool things so did I. on both sides. I guess first thing, and we usually start this way every segment or every week, but talking about Carson Wentz, um, you know, this is the, he set a record in the NFL. Uh, three straight games, 30 completions, no picks. Uh, first quarterback in NFL history to do that. I think when you look at that, that kind of speaks to the way that he's playing right now, uh, executing this scheme. But also, when you take into, effect, take into account those three games, all in the division, all must-win games, with the supporting cast being what it is and the situation that the Eagles are in right now, it speaks a lot to the way that he's playing at this point. You know, and I think the critical thing in this game – uh, for Carson Wentz was it was the way in which he played to me. You know, obviously you made a great point about you know the, the, the weapons being what they are. Yep. But I thought that he was efficient. He was smart. When he didn't feel it right away, he got out of the pocket. He didn't wait. Um, there were no turnovers. There were really no forced throws at all. The one sack fumble was and he, blind by the way, side he had, hit. Blind side. And he had two hands on the ball. By the way. Yep. So the ball just fell right in front of him. Um, but I think in games like this, as we've spoken, the Eagles don't have any margin for error. Right. And I, th- I thought Carson Wentz intuitively understood that in this game, yeah. that there's no margin for error. It's better for me, instead of trying to make a play, get out of the pocket, even if I run for three yards, that's a positive. Yep. And I thought it was the, the mental approach. Now, again, I'm sure it was talked about leading up to the game, uh, but he executed it. And... 
uh, I thought that it was really, really smart football. Yeah, I think to that point, I mean, he had seven carries for, I think it was like 26 yards or something. Yardage game. doesn't even matter. No, but I think to me, like, none of those were quarterback sneaks. You had a couple that were right. read option plays where he pulled it. Right. But a number of those were scrambles where he got out of sacks. He didn't force anything. And anything. he got out fast. Did he you could, notice? Yeah, He didn't no wait. He yep. did not wait. No, it was, I thought that his, uh, his presence and his timing, his internal clock, I think was really, really good overall. His awareness game. of the game. Yeah is really the way I look at it. And yeah. people use the term game manager, which is a ridiculous term, but his awareness of the game and the way in which the Eagles c- could win the game, because the Eagles can only win really one way now. Yep. And the way in which they can win, he played to that, he understood that, and therefore played to it. They've been, ju- they've just been very efficient over yes. the last couple of weeks. You know, they get into the red zone. Uh, they're successful down there. Third down, they've been good. Um, you know, I think when you look at the way that they're playing the game, uh, look, if they, that's the problem is, is that when they have those negative plays, if they have a crucial penalty, that can be tough to overcome. Right, and, right. and that was the case in this game. You know, the Jason Peters penalty, uh, the Jason Kelsey penalty. Jason, them back. you mean on the screen? Yep. They struggle to come well, back from those. that being a penalty, but that's just that's me. Tough. I mean, in today's yeah. game, the way the, right, the rules right. are being set up the way they are, that they're, those are going to get called. But, like, um, those are tough to overcome. Right. But when they have their opportunities, they make the most of them. And the reality is they didn't run the ball very well in this game. Right. They tried to, yep. which they have to every week. Yes. But the but Sanders' yards came from that final run, which was, I believe, 38 yards. Correct. So I think he ended up with 20 for 79. So he had 19 for 41. Is that, if my math is correct? I believe so. Yeah, that sounds right. So they really didn't run the ball that well. And they tried different things. They tried a lot of those, you know, sweep plays with Boston Scott. They tried different things. But the reality is they did not run the ball very well. So, therefore, they had to move the ball and sustain offense with the pass game. Yep. Uh, 40, 40 pass attempts for Carson Wentz. 41, 31, was it? He was 30. I think he was 31 of 40. Was he? Th- or I thought he was 30 so, yeah. 41. Yeah, it was either, either one. Either way. It was either one. Yeah, so 31 of 40 on the day. And... I think when you look at the all the completions in general, I didn't watch every completion straight, you know, straight consecutively. But you saw screens, you saw simple, well-designed throws, you right. saw some simple misdirection stuff. You did see some vertical shots. We saw the dagger on the very first play. We saw the post wheel. We saw some we saw the flood, the which Byron Jones made a great oh, play, made an awesome play. But it was on the first series where they did dagger to start the game and then flood a few plays later. Yep. What I, what I love about it, though, was that, and you're going to need this. So you look at Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, you know, the best, the most productive quarterbacks in the league. You need your receivers sometimes when the ball placement isn't perfect, when the ball play isn't exactly where it needs to be, come up with some big catches. Which Ortega Whiteside did on the first play. No question. That, to and me, by like, the that's way, that they've been missing. Yeah, Wentz put it high because he had to. Yep. Uh, and, and Ortega Whiteside, and, and by the way, I, my guess is, that's one reason why they drafted him to make right. catches like that. Yeah, I mean, you look at Dallas Goddard on that fade in the fourth quarter. Well, uh, that, was that was not that tough a catch. No, but I mean that's a, that's a tough catch over the shoulder. Right, like, right. Honestly, but that was they're, a catches well, that, they're catches that have not been made. Right, for the most part, point. up through this point. That was a well placed ball given the coverage. Yeah, I mean that, to me, like those are ball, those are balls where you you want your receivers to come up with those catches. Greg Ward well, had a couple nice ones in this game. Even the touchdown to Goddard. Yeah, and that's the right. way they teach it. Back of the end zone high, front of the end zone low. Why do they teach it that way? Explain to our to the listeners. Well, back of the end zone, 
because it has to go through the end zone, right. you can't throw it low. There's way too many bodies there. Yep. So back of the end zone, they always teach you throw it high. So that was actually a perfect throw. Yep. Now, it required a nice catch, but it was a perfect throw. Front of the end zone, you don't want to throw it high because it could get tipped, and then there's 10 yards where it could be picked off as a tipped ball. So front of the end zone, you want to throw it low. You want defenders to work through the body of the receiver. Correct, correct. And therefore, if it's incomplete, it just it goes to the ground. Yep. It doesn't go up in the air. Sure. Back of the end zone, you can't throw it through bodies, so yep. you can't throw it low, so you have to throw it above the bodies. Yep. And that touchdown to Goddard was a perfect example of that, and that was a great throw. No question. What I love about that touchdown, too, was um, that that was a culmination. If you go back, and I remember I watched— There's about five different elements to that play, by the way. So much to it. First of all, it was a stick-nod route that Dallas Goddard— I just remember being on the sidelines of training camp last year, his rookie right. year, and watching him run that route, and it was—you could tell— like, and this, this was an area he needed to get better at. What was his route running coming from South right. Dakota State? He was going too fast. The pacing to right. the route wasn't great. Well, and I would always watch it and think, all right, just slow it down a little bit, slow it down. He had that quickness to get out. And then you saw last year, they had ran it a bunch of times. He got better and better and better. It's interesting you say that because I looked at it. I looked at that play because I actually am breaking that play down in, in my NFL matchup show okay. this week. So I looked at that play over and over and over. And... I think there's a lot of different ways to look at that route and the play because the the releases by Ertz, it was closed formation to the boundary. Yep. This was one of their favorite formations in this game, by the way. Two tight ends closed to the boundary with one of them in a wing position yep. and twins to the field. Sure. And that that's the, the Ward big play came on that as well. Um, but in looking at that Goddard touchdown over and over, one thing that kept popping into my head, the initial route stems by both Ertz and Goddard presented it as smash to Jordan Lewis. Right. Yep. So Goddard's route, to me, you could call it a stick knot or you could almost call it a condensed corner post. Right. Because he really worked hard to the outside to make it look like smash, I think, anyway. Yeah. Again, I'd love to hear what the coaches say. Right. Because you're, one part of that was you had to widen Jordan Lewis. Sure. Um, because it ended up being a high-low on the hook defender, who was Sean Lee. Yep. Because Jeff Heath, he was the flat defender, and he reacted to Ertz. But, and then the other really cool part of it was the fake screen on the twin side, because they had to keep the—it po- was cover three. They had to keep the post-safety Xavier Woods at least in the middle. Yep. He couldn't start moving over to the uh, closed side of the field. He's the guy who could take away that throw to, to Goddard. Correct. Correct. And and you could see there's a clear visual, which I'm, I'm freezing when I do the piece, where you could clearly see his eyes are on Ward. So here's what, here's what the other part of this that I love, is that uh, going through and looking back at the previous Eagles-Cowboys matchups over the last couple of years, watched this one from this year and then last year as well, the Eagles ran... Not just the stick nod for a touchdown for Goddard last year. Yeah, in that he caught game that in last Dallas. year. And I remember that play, and it was less exaggerated on his out, which, yep. which is why I thought this particular one had a little corner, more of a corner post, post el- Interesting. element to it. Yep. So they ran that, the same, you know, same right. idea uh, against Dallas last year. For a touchdown, and, For a I touchdown, recall. and they also ran that same screen out of the same look, closed formation to the boundary, to Alshon Jeffrey. So you took those two play right. concepts, you, right. you put them together, uh, and the Eagles were able right. to get into the end zone here on the Goddard touchdown. But so, I remember the Goddard one from last year. He yep. was much tighter on his out move. That one, to me, was a true stick nod. It, it, this it, one, maybe they call it the same. Again, 
you know, coaches call it different things. Sometimes it's a function of, of what the coverage looks like pre-snap. Sure, right. But Goddard was pretty exaggerated on his move outside. I have to look at I want to go back and look. I wonder if he's reading the leverage of the DB he and could that, well, that might, you know, alter They might his, tell him uh, read the leverage of the DB. Yep, exactly. I might you know, alter how, right, how quickly right. he gets in and out of that. Uh, if you want another look at it, they ran it against the Bills as well. Same touch, same play for a touchdown, uh, Goddard in the red zone. Same part of the field. This Same year. route concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah up yeah, in uh, yeah, Ralph Wilson State yeah. or whatever. They no, the reason I didn't do that, the two same plays, is because they were the two same plays. Sure, yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a really good concept right, for them. Right, Um, You know, and they, they were able to reach the end zone. There was a lot of layers uh, to that. I no, I love plays like that because there's there's five, six. I mean, I, I couldn't do – I did as much as I could in the matchup show because we can't make a piece three minutes. Right. You know, it'll probably end up being close to two just because I felt like I had to get those other elements in to make the play work. Yep. Uh, what I and what I love, I think, going out of this game, one of the other big takeaways was Dallas Goddard, nine catches, ninety-one yards, yep. had the touchdown. Uh, he needed to be a big part of this offense because Zach Ertz, you know, he was out for a Ertz. chunk of this with the injury. Yeah. Um. So they need they needed Dallas Goddard, and honestly, they need Dallas Goddard moving forward to be. Hey, look, if, if Zach Ertz is the primary they weapon, need Dallas in this Goddard. Offense, Regardless, because he was a second-round pick that they traded up to get, and he's a talented guy yep. who. I think we would agree hasn't quite reached the level they think that, from production for from a production yeah. standpoint. Right. So, so having him involved in the right. offense was big. No, it's critical. Yeah. So you saw him win one on one matchups against safeties. You saw him win underneath uh, against coverage against zone. You saw him running away from linebackers across the field. So we saw a little bit of everything. Uh, there was that one drive where I think six straight every single play for six plays went to Dallas Goddard on right. the drive. Um, you know that was actually the the drive that got uh, halted by the Jason Peters penalty because that was a screen pass to Dallas. Right, 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 right. Every play right. on that drive yep. went to number 88, and I think that was that was important. I, to me, yeah. I, even like looking at, uh, you know, they had the slot fade to him where uh, him and Carson weren't on the same page. It felt incomplete outside the numbers. They go back to the same route later in the game when they complete for 20-plus yards. It's just... Kind of see well, and I, it's funny. I remember the incompletion, and again, I would love to know how that's coached because I don't want to sit here and place blame. But watching it live and then seeing the tape, I actually thought that Carson threw the ball where he should have. Well, if you look at the second one, I mean, that's exactly right. where he put it. He put it in the same spot. He put it in the same spot, spot. Yes. right? So I thought on the first one, he he actually threw it where it should have gone. Yep. No, it's. Uh, it's going to be big for, for Dallas to be a big part yeah. of this offense moving forward. You know, you pair him with Zach Ertz, and you, I know you've got numbers on what they've done from 12 personnel over this, this three-game stretch. Uh, certainly something they're going to have to lean on, especially right. what they've I got do. a receiver. No, I do. And in fact, they've had, and, and I have them right here, the last three games, which is the three-game winning streak, they've had 229 snaps. Okay. Okay. 137 of them have come out of 12 personnel. I probably should have done the percentage. Uh, I don't have, you know, I can't say that. You say 137. 137 divided by 229. 229. 137. So we, yeah, you can probably I got, I got you here. Figure that out. This is great podcasting, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing math during a podcast. Divided by, by 229. 229. So that is 59 or 60%. So 60%. Of their offensive snaps in this three-game winning streak have come out of 12 personnel. And that's not even including 13 when you've got right. Josh Perkins in the middle. No, you're right because. 33 snaps have had been in thir 13 personnel. There you go. Uh, 16 um, have been in 21 because, you, ha you know, that, of course, that, that includes uh, Scott and Sanders on the field together. Right. But if you add the 33 to the 137, that's 170. So yep. if you divide 170 by 229, uh, 170 we're okay. By 229. Yeah. I mean, we've got an idea. It's a big part. It's right. a big chunk right. of offense. So it's above 60% clearly. Yep. And and so that's the way again the way they have to play. Yeah, and factoring in Miles Sanders as well, who yeah. just continues 
to look more and more confident, more and more comfortable. Yes. Uh, to me, I, I think the most impressive play for me was that screen. The fourth in the fourth quarter, the patience that he showed, in letting the twenty-four the blocks, yarder, the twenty-four yes. yarder, where he let everything. It was a well-designed screen that Dallas completely. But he let Kelsey get out in front. He let Brooks get out in front. Awesome. Yes. And you saw the burst there to pull away. Once everything yeah. parted, yep. he hit it. Yep. It was really, really an impressive play. No, um, I agree. He's, yeah. You know the, the the throw that I really liked by Wentz and okay. it, it, talking about Sanders was it was either the first or second drive where he hit him in you know the quick flat throw. No question. And. You know, that was a read by Carson because the Cowboys were in a 4-3 kind of stack look and it was cover three. So Joe Thomas was responsible for the flat. And if you're going to make that throw where the defender's not, the flat defender will not be a real big factor in the throw, it has to be a right now throw. Yep. And my guess is Carson saw it immediately because he got the ball to Sanders in the flat in a hurry. Yeah. And that allowed Sanders just to use his speed to outrun, outflank Thomas. So we, couldn't get to the flat in time. And see, what I love about this, too, is that that shows that Carson's got a lot of faith in Sanders in his speed. His ability by the way, to that was a great one. throw because you have to put that out in front but not too far out in front. Right. And he put it right on him where he could catch it easily. A worse without- throw is a six-yard gain. Four-yard game. Like, right. If I he mean, doesn't leave We've seen a lot of those throws that are over here, and the guy still catches it, but then that allows the defender yep. to, to get there. Sure. Or you put it too far out in front, and it's an incomplete pass. Sure. That happened to have been – and that's not an easy throw, by the way. Yeah, and to me, like that, if you go back even to last week against Washington where they had those two long draw plays – that to me kind of shows the faith that Carson has in, in uh, Miles as well because those are plays where Carson Wentz, when he's at the line of scrimmage, he's got the ability to kill, run, pass, and say, Correct. all right, look, depending on box count, whatever right, they look right, like right. From, from a front standpoint, uh, you know, we're going to throw this. If he doesn't feel that, Car- that Miles Sanders has the ability to beat Landon Collins one-on-one in the open field, he's checking out of this and going to a pass. Right. Both times he hands off to him, and I think that shows the faith in his right. ability to win one-on-one. And, and it's funny you talk about Sanders and just – there's a confidence level because all of a sudden you're seeing him play with a little more juice. Yeah, The no kind doubt. of juice he showed in college. Yep. And that's a confidence thing. No question. I think when a lot of people, you know, early in the season, they're expecting, oh, you know, we spent a second round picking this guy. He doesn't have great vision. He doesn't have great feel between the tackles. And with rookies, with young guys, it takes a little bit of time. Everybody's time. different. It they takes know. a little bit of time. So you, know, you look, we talk about this with young players all the time. You know, Isaac Sayamalo, the Super Bowl year, second year, he starts as a starter, gets benched. You know, they work him in. He's the 6th line. He delivers key blocks in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. And now he's a longtime starter. He gets an extension. Like, that's how it works with young guys in the right. NFL. Uh, across Not everybody the comes in and is really good right away. There's right. a few guys like that, yep. which makes people believe that everybody should be like that. Exactly. I think when you look at Sanders, uh, you're continuing to see him more confident, especially reading. You know, there were a couple of those plays, the long run in the, in the, on the final drive, the one that, that iced it, that 38 yard. Right, right, right. Uh, to me, you know, there were some gap things that were a little bit weird with Dallas, but him feeling that the A gap and trusting that Brandon Brooks and Jason Kelsey right. were doing their job there to secure well, he that. He showed great patience. That was awesome. Yeah. That was big time. Yeah. And so, like, like, you know, seven weeks ago, he might be busting that outside. Right. And now he's feeling the feeling that he can trust And it. the other play I really liked in the game was the Ward long pass. Yeah. Because, again, we talked about the formation. They were in um, – uh, it was – Same set. Same set. It was two tight ends closed to the boundary, which was the left side of the formation. And Ward was in the slot to the right. I believe it was Ortega Whiteside outside of him. Yes, it was. It was. Yep. And – you know, they'd been getting a lot of cover three. The Cowboys were very, very vanilla in this game yeah. in what they did. You know, I don't know how many times they rushed. They had a couple of rushes of more than four because I can remember they had that that overstrong tilted front and they had a couple of uh, inside stunts with, with Jalen Smith and Michael Bennett. But 
my guess is they didn't rush more than four or five, five or six times in the right. game. Right, yep. So they basically were lining up, rushing four, and either playing, for the most part, high percentage cover one or cover three. Sure, yep. And by the way, whether it was cover one or cover three, that play call is fine because it's essentially a post wheel concept, but it was cover three, so the linebacker was bumped out, and yep. it was Malcolm Smith. And Mal- by the way, Malcolm Smith came from Seattle a number of years ago, so he knows how to play cover three. Super Bowl MVP, Malcolm Smith. Correct. And, you know, and it's easy to say, well, he's got to carry the, the wheel. In theory, he does. But even if he does carry the wheel, as he's supposed to, you're still ha- you still have a wide receiver running a wheel against a linebacker. Yep. So it's just a nice play call. And, of course, he didn't carry the wheel, so Greg Ward was wide open. But, you know, it's just one of those nice play calls. Yeah, it was, it was a great way to attack the coverage, understanding, yep. uh, you know, what that would look like. Carson Wentz working his way over to the right side. It looked like he kind of started over to the left and came right. Well, he, uh, he knew what impressive. the coverage was the yep. second that he saw Smith bumped out. Yep. Because Smith was not going to be playing Greg Ward man-to-man. Right. So he knew exactly what the coverage was. No question. It was uh, – it was just a really impressive day offensively. Yeah. And, and this, look, this wasn't a day where they put 45 up on the scoreboard. They're not going to have those they days. They played but. within what, again, you know, we don't want to harp on this too much, but right. they, they played within what they are. Yeah. No, I think but they have to be. That's right. I think that's right. Uh, let's go to the defensive side. And, I, and look, defensively, there are two sides of this, right? Because you go into it and say, all right, this was the number one offense in the NFL coming right. in. This was the number one third down offense in the NFL coming in. The Eagles did not let them go into the end zone. No. So, Great job. On the back end of it, you say, all right, well, it's fourth quarter. You know, it was a little scary there at the end. There were missed throws in this game. There were injuries and there were some missed throws and say, all right, well, they kind of dodged a couple there. But that's also, that's the NFL. That's football. So on both sides of it, you kind of look. Defensively, they they held the number one third down offense in the NFL, three of 14 on third down. Like, that stat, when I was sitting here post-game show, blew me away. When I looked it up, I was like, it blew me away. I almost fell off my chair when I saw three of 14 on third down. You know, I thought they did a really nice job in this game with the skies and late movement. Agreed. That's what that's what I thought they did really, really well. Yeah. Explain what 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 you saw there. Well, the whole concept is is what you show before the snap of the ball is not what happens after the snap of the ball, because this is not a high percentage blitz team usually. And in fact, I didn't chart it. Maybe you did. I I don't think they rushed more than four. What five or six there times? In the there game? were not many blitzes in this game. No, no, I didn't so. chart it either. But there were a couple where they looked like they were going to pressure, right, and they right. didn't. They all fell out. They had that one third down, uh, the triple A gap look late. Right, they all fell they out. They all I mean, fell they, out. They had a few of those. Right. So the point I'm making is, what you're trying to do is you show something pre-snap, and then you move either just before the ball snap or at the snap, and you get to something else. Yep. And what you're trying to do is just slow down the decision-making process for the quarterback. Sure. Because in the NFL, all it takes is a beat or less than a beat. And if the quarterback is hesitant or uncertain, you can win. Yep. And they did that, I thought, extremely well in this game. They played a good amount of cover two, but they got to cover two in a variety of ways. They never just lined up in cover two. Right. They got to cover two in a variety of ways. They played a bunch of one robber. They they played that coverage that we always struggle to decide what it is, whether it's <laughs> the, in the, the two-family yeah, yeah. or in the three-family. Right. So it's either two-invert or three-robber, but we know what the coverage is. Yep. Um, and I thought they just did a really good job in that area. By the way, and we'll get to it, I think that's something you'll see again not the same way, but you'll see those kinds of things this week because when the Redskins did that a few times – 
against Daniel Jones, he got stuck. Yeah, and honestly, it was something that worked for them pretty well in the second half against yes. the Giants a few weeks Correct. ago. Yeah. Uh, kind of mixing and matching different, yep. different zone looks in the back end in the second half. They allowed 29 yards total offense in the second half right. against the Giants uh, week 14 or whatever that game was. But, um, no, I thought defensively the disguise really should, uh, stood yep. out to me. The other big thing was overall team run defense was really, really strong. I, I think when you look, um, you know, guys up front I thought were really stout. I thought the linebackers attacked downhill for the most part at a really high level. They held Zeke Elliott to 3.6 yards a carry um, and six, you know, 47 yards total. It is it's a tough thing, but I think you know, looking at the you know the Dallas game plan, it's like, all right. Well, uh, they, the, the, the Cowboys held Zeke to forty-seven. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Who knows what would have happened? But I was just really surprised at Dallas's approach in the game right. because this game was never the only time you could argue it got out of hand was the late third quarter drive to make it seventeen-six. Yeah. But up until then, you're in a one-score game. Uh, for the most part, I know the Eagles went up ten nothing, but ten nothing in the first quarter is not a game that's out of hand. No question. And and. The Cowboys themselves took Elliott out of the game. Yeah, I, th- I think it was interesting because they kind of had to toe that line of, all right, do we want to give it to our best player or do we want to try and attack a secondary that, one, has given up some big plays right. last month, but then also, two, Jalen Mills was in and out of the game, Ronald Darby left the game, Russell Douglas was in and out of the game. I mean, they were they were losing bodies quickly right. uh, in the secondary. So I think they kind of had to try and toe that line you and figure out Walk a fine line. Yeah. But it just surprised me, given the way they had played the week before against the Rams when right. they played their best game of the season, and it was all Zeke. It was all Zeke, yeah. It was all Zeke. I, and again, I, we don't know what would have happened. Sure. He did have three or four runs of nine or ten yards. Yep. And then, you know, a bunch where he got stuffed, clearly. But who knows what would have happened. But the Cowboys chose not to play that way. Yeah, I, I think when you look overall, um, a couple of those stuff. So it was just really, really impressive overall. Just team run defense. And it was, I'm, yeah. right, I'm taking notes on the game. And it's this, you know, the first play of the game. It's like, all right, Tim Jernigan, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, uh, you know, right. PJ Edwards, all, all right now, the guys that all stood out on any given play. I'm just going through even here, uh, you know, Anthony Rush, who. Anthony Rush, his flash bits and pieces he, yes, every game, yes. this was his best one. I, I would agree. Yeah, flashed uh, up agree. and down uh, the field in this game. But Anthony Rush, Tim Jernigan, Nigel Bradham, Fletcher Cox, yep. Brandon Grant. I mean, the guys, Rodney McLeod flying around. The guy, I thought overall that the, the team run defense was really strong in this game. That offensive line was really good in pass protection, I thought. You know, they, you mentioned they didn't do a lot, a ton of blitzing. Um, but the Eagles found ways. There, there were a couple blitzes that did get home and at least kind of impact the throw. Uh, there was one in particular where Dak Prescott threw it behind a receiver running a shallow cross. Rodney McLeod was right there in the throwing right, lane right. to kind of uh, you know mess with the window a little bit. But overall, that, that offensive line held really strong against the front four for the Eagles. They're going to need to be a little bit better here against the Giants. I agree. This game I sure. agree. There were two plays, a couple plays that stood out to okay, me. Okay, give it to us. Um, it was third and one with 14-20 remaining in the fourth quarter. Okay. It was the play where Maddox made knocked it down uh, on the yes. speed out yep, by yep, Cooper. Yep, by Cooper, yeah. Here's what struck me. I don't, and I don't know if you noticed this. It just, it wasn't something I was looking for. It just struck me. Okay. When Prescott called Cooper in tight motion to stack. Right. Do you remember the play? Yes, yep. Jenkins knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. He was on the line of scrimmage off the, you know, uh, on that side. Right. And he basically told Maddox and Mills what was coming because they switched. And it was beautiful because yeah. Maddox was playing the slot over Cobb, and then he switched to play Cooper's speed out and was able to get underneath it. See, I didn't. So what we were looking for on this play, if you remember earlier in the game, I think it was second quarter. Go look at it when you know yeah, when I'm we're gonna, done. I'm going to take and, a look at that, and you'll see that Jenkins 
clearly knew what was coming. Right. And you could see him turn and talk to Maddox. And my guess is he basically, they have some code. Obviously, he's not giving sure, him a speech. Sure, of course. You know? Right. But he knew what was coming. Well, the second quarter, the one pass that Cooper just flat out dropped in the flat. Yes, yes. It was a very similar route from the slot. Right, Maddox right. Maddox was in coverage. And I remember I was watching the game with Ben Fennell, and Ben goes, I wonder if that's the same concept, the same route that they ran when Maddox had that pass breakup later. So we waited and waited. Right. And it wasn't the same concept, right, right, but right. similar kind of route in the flat. So I was hoping to make a segment out of that, and we ended up not doing it. But. And the other play which really struck me was, um, and I'm trying to remember, um, it was the sweat sack on third and five in the fourth quarter. Fletcher. Fletcher just Whew. clubbing Looney. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, it was, I mean, it, it was Reggie White ass. It was silly. It was silly. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, I mean, yeah. it was Xavier, Xavier Sulfield had gotten hurt. So Joe Looney right, was in, right. and it was, it was a, uh, a good, if you want to call it a club move, a hump move. It, it's uh, not going to be him. a good, uh, film room, uh, play for, for Looney. No, 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 it's not. Uh, but, you know, Fletcher got him. Um, but, and, and uh, Josh Sweat was able to finish. But just to wrap up the defense before we turn to the Giants, I think it's, it's a great win, but a great teaching tool because there were throws to be made in that game for the Cowboys right. that were not made by Dak Prescott. Yep. And now you can win the game and you can be happy because now you're playing for, sure. for the playoffs, the NFC East Championship in the playoffs. But now Jim Schwartz and, and the entire defensive staff can basically say, hey, guys, yeah, we won the game. That's good. But we got some things we have to clean up yep. because we're playing a team that actually has some weapons and that can score. And, you know, we have to clean some stuff up. Yeah. I would say real quickly before going to the Giants, the play that Sidney Jones made in the final play yep. uh, was maybe one of the best individual plays by an Eagles corner this season. I would like, agree. Uh, I mean, there was teach tape. That was teach tape because he, he played it perfectly. He never lost contact with the receiver. Yep. He turned at exactly the right moment. And he got his hand up, you know. Raked his yeah. hands through the catch point. Right. I mean, it was, that was that picture was perfect. Great play. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you love the the resiliency there. Yeah. Sydney coming in late. By the way, had a big play late in the fourth quarter against the Giants. The last time we right. played, but the- he played almost the entire third quarter as well. Yep. In place of Mills. Yeah. And I thought he played well, and I thought he looked good. I thought. His movement reminded me of when I loved him coming out of the University of Washington. Interesting. I thought he moved well. Right. Yep. A lot better than we'd seen him in the past. No question. Where he looked always looked a step slow, and I always wondered if it was due to injury, whatever the reason. But because he he never looked like that at Washington, right. he always looked really quick. Yep. And I thought he looked quick in this game. Uh, again, going back to what we talked about with Sanders, it takes you know young guys. There's and plus he fought a ton flows. of injuries. Yes, there's going to be ebbs and yeah. flows. Um, lastly, the big turning point defensively for me was the the forced fumble, third and one. Uh, oh, the of course, speed option yeah. play. I mean, yeah. Derek Barnett yeah. get, forcing the issue, yeah. forcing the pitch. Yep. Duke Riley did an outstanding job getting into the flat, forcing the back to cut back and yep. his help. And there were a bunch of guys there. It was just, yeah. Again, going back to team run defense yep. overall, a bunch of guys I there agree. on that play. Uh, turning point in the game because Dallas was moving. They had. I think four straight plays of 10-plus yards. They kind of got into a rhythm. Was that the in the third? That was early, their first drive of the third quarter. Yes, and that was the drive they actually handed it to Zeke yes. four or five times yep. and got him going. And he got out. He tapped himself out. Right, That's right. When Pollard and if they in. had, let's say, scored, then that, that whole game would Changes have changed. Changes the dynamic. Yes, no yes, that, To yes. me, that was the, the turning you, point. You are 100% right. All right, let's go to the other side now, to this this game here, uh, this Sunday, uh, up in New York, because um, this is a Giants team. It's and we've not said a gimme this. again. It's not a gimme. This is a team. There's no gimmies with the Eagles because they don't score a ton of points. Right. So I think when you look at this team, uh, look, it was not a gimme the last time these two teams no. played. Uh, it's not going to be a gimme this week. This is a team that's won two straight, playing with confidence offensively. 
I mean, five touchdowns, Daniel Jones, uh, Saquon is on fire now, Evan Ingram's back in the lineup. This is a team that's uh, that's hitting its stride of course, offensively. Of course, the corners they were playing against, when I put the tape on, I was, I was, I yes. was like, wow. <laughs> yes, that is wow. a caveat to take into account here. But, I think, but still, day, five touchdowns is five touchdowns. It's an NFL game. Rookie, yes. You know, say, I want to get your thoughts on Daniel Jones and what you've seen. We didn't talk too much right. about him last time. Um, he was a guy I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong. Right, I feel like he it's didn't fair. Play the last time. I feel like I liked him a little bit more than most coming into the into the draft last year. I remember watching him. Uh, he was going down to the Senior Bowl, and I, he was one of my favorite players going down into that game. Um, a guy I never thought was a true world beater, but I thought would be an NFL starter. He's he's shown really good flashes. I've been impressed with what I've seen from him so far. Me too. And I think that he's fairly refined. The ball yeah. comes out. Uh, he doesn't get stuck in the pocket too often. Yep. You know, he did a couple of times when we mentioned that the Redskins did something I imagine the Eagles will do, which was show some things and then get to other things after the snap of the ball, right. which is what you try to do not only with a young quarterback, but with All any quarterback. Yep. Um, but I thought, I, I think I made... Um, uh, and this was an in, this was an incomplete pass, but I made the note that there were snaps in which Jones showed a refined and advanced sense of progression reading. There was a play, and I forget when it was in the game. It ended up being incomplete, but that was not the point, okay. where he worked to the trip side, okay? Didn't like what he saw and came back to the backside dig. Right. And it was incomplete. The corner made a nice play. Um, and, and pressure started to get to him, so I don't think he got quite as much on the throw as he might have. Sure. But just the understanding, you know, that's pretty advanced to work trips and then come back to the backside dig from the, the boundary X. That That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, not a lot of young quarterbacks do that. Right. No, I think it's uh, he's done a lot of that in this game in, over so, over so far in his rookie season. Honestly, going back and going into this game, I thought, you know what? I'm going to I'll break down, look at the five touchdowns and see if there's a, for your segment on Eagles game plan. Like maybe there's right. a couple of plays, a couple of those touchdowns to break down. Some of them were nice plays. The, the long, the catch by Saquon Barkley. Well, that was that all go 18, but it's against quarters, which the Eagles haven't really played. They haven't really played. That's why I didn't pick it. It was a great concept against quarters and an absolutely brilliant concept. Yeah, I mean, it works. It's a, that, that play's always open. But uh, well, particularly, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm saying that facetiously. Right. Yes, there is a play that worked really, really well. But I thought, you know what? Let me just buzz through his third down completions really quickly. There were two third down completions that I thought kind of spoke to Daniel Jones and what he brings to this this giant. Well, I, I, I probably know the ones you're talking about. All right. So the one he gets hit late, right as he's getting rid of the football, and that kind of to me kind of spoke about you know his poise in the pocket, his ability to pull he had the a trigger. He couple versus cover too, and the Eagles played a lot of it. Yeah, and then the other one was him breaking the pocket uh, and making a play outside of structure, where he brings a little bit of that. Right. Where you look at the right. difference between what are the Giants' offense, what do they do when Eli's in the game versus Daniel Jones. I think that's the difference is Eli, ball's coming out quick. Right. He, he's not getting hit. Right. He's not making plays outside the pocket. Ball's coming out. Daniel Jones, it's a little bit of the opposite. It's more, I'm going to hold on to the football. I'm going to let my guys make plays, and I'm even going to run around a little bit and try and let those guys uncover. Well, two plays that I thought, again, I don't know what you have in mind, but the 31-yarder to Tate at the, in, in the two-minute at the end of the first half came against cover two. Yep. And I thought that was a really nice throw. Um, and then – I thought in overtime, the uh, Shepard 23-yarder on the dagger concept, which was also versus was big cover time. two, yep. was a really nice throw as well. Yeah, no. And that, that really, you could argue that won the game because that was third and seven. Right, that was a big time play. Yeah. Uh, this, is a, this is a team that they've got, you mentioned, they've got weapons. Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, What's Golden What's going on Tate. with Darius Slayton? Was he hurt? I have to, I have to do a little bit I more I tried to that. find yeah. out because of the, 
he only played 20 snaps, right. and the other three receivers all played significantly more snaps, including Cody Lattimore. Right. So, you know, I don't know what's going on with Slayton because obviously he's was an Eagles killer in the first game yep. and has had many big plays this season, but he only played 20 snaps in this game. Particularly when Jones has been in the lineup, he's yeah. been very, yeah. very productive with them, or with him in the lineup. So uh, that's something to keep an eye out for sure. Um, you know, he's their, he's their vertical threat. But uh, Shepard, you know, game. now that he's back and healthy, he's a good receiver. Yes, he he's a good receiver. We know Golden Tate. Right. Uh, and Evan Ingram is a dynamic player as well. Saquon Barkley. So Ingram uh, is back for this week? I believe so, yes. Okay. Because uh, obviously and, he didn't play this past week. Right. And then when you look at... They have weapons. They have weapons, absolutely. And Barkley is, you know, we know what he is as a runner. But again, as, as an offset back, as a receiver, whether he's running angle routes, which he's phenomenal at. There's right. been many of those this year. Um, and detach from the formation because he can run vertical routes or he can, you, you know, normally the, if they line up an empty, Fran, he's number one to the, uh, to the boundary and they throw screens to him and he had the 51-yarder on a screen. Right. I mean, that's, that's the kind of weapon he is. Yeah. He's got the ability. He's a big play anytime he's Anytime. So they've got weapons. Um, I take that back. Evan Ingram is not going to be in the lineup this week. So, oh, well, that's okay then. Caden the Smith did catch two touchdowns, though. That I know, but it's a different deal. No, no question. That was, it's a different that was deal. Definitely sarcasm. He's a, uh, a much different kind of player. Yes. But, um, but they've got, a team with weapons. They've got weapons. Yes. Uh, so I think when you look on the offensive side, um, the big thing I would think that's a difference from week 14 to week 17 is going back to Daniel Jones, look, there are different ways that he's going to stress the Eagles' defense, right? right? He's got the ability to hold on to the ball. That means that the corners have to uncover a little bit more. He can break the pocket. The rush lanes have to be a little bit more uh, judicious, right. a little bit more disciplined. But that also means he's going to hold on to the ball a little bit more. Your defensive line how has the ability ha to they, be able to win. The they're ball going to have to win some matchups yes. in this game up front. Yeah, right. that's, that's, that's you, a difference. You, we talked about that all-go eight seam, which is a long-developing route because Barkley's running the seam and he's coming out of the backfield. Jones did a really good job of sliding to his left, you know, uh, working the pocket, allowing it to develop, and then yep. making a perfect throw. Yeah, that to me, like that, that is the – the big difference from, yeah. from week 14 to 17 uh, in this matchup. Let's go over to the other side, and I think the big thing is, you know, James Betcher, they're going to come at you in a lot of different ways. They had success against the Eagles with different stunts in that game. In, they have in a lot 14. of multiple front looks out of their sub-defenses. They play nickel. They play dime. They're a big dime team. Yep. Uh, third down, a lot of A-gap pressure looks. Yep. They did that against Washington yesterday, uh, so you'll see plenty of that. Eagles have to be ready for it. There were actually a, really, a couple of really good examples of the Eagles picking up different blitzes in that game, except uh, the pass fell incomplete right, back right. in week 14. There were a couple of really, right, right. I mean, like really impressive ones with Boston Scott coming across the formation and Jason Kelsey spinning out and pick, blocking. Well, you got to be aware of cross. all that. All that stuff yeah. was really, really good. They just resulted in completion. And, and, they, and Carter, uh, they move him around in their sub fronts, particularly yep. in dime. Lorenzo Carter. Um, Michael Thomas, the safety, who's the dime safety, he's the matchup on the, the back. So he would match up if – they play man yeah. when they're in dime to Sanders. Yep. And that could be a critical matchup in the game. No question. Uh, it's, uh, I think this is a game of matchups because this is a, a secondary that's very young. Very, I mean, start two Well, Beal's not a rookie, I guess. Technically, I mean, he's, yeah. he was, he, this is his first action because yeah. he missed, he missed yeah, his Yeah, so Beal and year. Baker are the starters, and they don't, they don't flop. Baker's the right corner. Beal's the left corner. Ballantyne has, is now the slot rookie. corner. Yep, another rookie. Another rookie. So basically, it's three rookies playing corner. Yeah. They had a lot of busted coverages in that game uh, back in week 14. You know, you can't count on that necessarily, that, but no, against can't. an inexperienced secondary, yes. if you want to try and show them some different things, you can you can kind of force the issue right. there a little bit. Well, you try. Yeah. You try to do some things formationally, maybe with some shifts in shifts motions. motions yep. That 
force them to communicate. Or what you do is you go tempo. Yeah. I think you'll see tempo in this game yep. from the I, Eagles. I think when you look back at that game week 14, we saw certainly saw tempo, especially in the second half right. from the offense. And then that game-winning touchdown to Zach Ertz, there were two different motions on that game on that play. Oh, they totally you, lost Ertz. Yeah, I mean, because you had the, the tight end, right. Perkins and Goddard, right. on the line of scrimmage that kind of switched. And you could see in the secondary, the linebacker and the safety kind of saying, hey, we're going right. to switch this, we're going to switch this up. And then Ertz comes in from wide out into tight. Right. And then all of a sudden now the communication's all messed up. Right. Those guys all don't. Uh, and Ogletree, uh, who, I don't know what his status will be for this week. I'll have to check that, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's still a little bit early. They were playing with Mayo and Buchanan. Right as their base stack backers and their nickel stack backers. Yep. And then Mayo was the linebacker in their dime because they right. play a lot of dime. No question. Let me ask you this. There's a, a report out there, and as of this point, uh, we don't have anything official, but just going off Adam Schefter on ESPN saying Jordan Howard could be back for this game. Well, what that's is, what, what he that reported mean? based on the fact that they released JHI. Which has, again, that's not official yet. Oh, so, well, that's, yeah. yeah, again. We're going off Adam Schefter. I'm just going Adam Schefter. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, what are you, what are you, how does the presence of a Jordan Howard impact this game? I don't know. It's interesting because they have a nice little thing going here. Yeah. Uh, with Sanders, who's in a sense become the feature back, and Boston Scott because there's meaningful snaps each game where Scott and Sanders are on the field together, which given their their limitations at wide out in terms of numbers yep. is a nice thing to do. Right. So, but again, there's also been plays this year where Howard and Sanders are on the field together. I mean, when Sanders caught the, uh, the all-go eight seam versus Minnesota, uh, Howard and Sanders were on the field His together. Long run against Buffalo. His long run half. against Buffalo. Yep. So I, I don't know what it means as far as their run game. I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to think that Sanders would lose meaningful snaps. Right. Given that he's the explosive element in their offense right now. Yeah, I think the big thing, too, is that uh, when you look at, you know, you mentioned they, had, they didn't run the ball all that well outside of that long run. With Jordan Howard, and the other big one would be if Lane Johnson were able to come back right. from the high ankle sprain. Right. But, so he's um, missed two games now? He has missed two games. Two now, games, correct. Yeah. Um, high I think ankle you, sprains are tough. Uh, they're tough. But if you, if, you were, if you, in theory, were able to get him back as well, Look, the, the Eagles can use a guy like that word with Jordan Howard where there aren't a lot of negative runs. It's right. four yards, no, five, well, yards, four, yeah. five yards, yeah. six yards, four yards, yeah. and those those add up. And so to me, that's that's the element that I, that would be very impressive yes. to add into this group. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that plays out over the course of the next few days. Obviously, we're recording this Monday night, so very, very early in the week. So it'll be a fun one, Greg. I'm excited to, uh, yeah, to break and, it all down. and I, I just caution, this is not an easy game. No. I'm hoping uh, Eagles fans make the trip up. Right. I think this is, a, this is a game where they can definitely make their presence felt. There was a game up there uh, a couple of years ago, I think in 2017, where uh, it was basically an Eagles home game. I think you need a repeat effort from uh, from the Eagles. Without fans. question. Um, so make sure you go out and uh, if you're listening. You know, it's great to – I mean, obviously this game they didn't have to come back, but the previous two they did. Those are hard things to do every week. Yep, no question. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun one. We'll, we'll yep. be here to break this down uh, next week at this time here on the Eagle yep. in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. Greg, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. All right, Fran. Great stuff from Greg, and you could follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know how much I appreciate 
everyone that promotes this podcast on any form of social media. But the best way, the number one way to give us some love, especially look, it's the holiday season. If you want to give us a little bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, help here, a little bit of love, go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. Those five star ratings are always welcome. But however you feel about the show, leave us a comment and we will, you know, get to it here on the show. I wanted to give a, a shout out to a couple of people who did just that. Michael J. One left a five star review recently saying, I've never written a review before, but I'm choosing to for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. No fluff, no sensationalism, no drama, just football. Mike, really, really appreciate that. And then Do Senate left a five star review saying, Greg and Fran do a great job of dissecting the film and letting the audience know exactly what is happening before and after every, gra- every game. So thank you to both of you and all of you out there for listening to not just this podcast, but the Journey to the Draft podcast, all of our podcast offerings at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. I'm really, really excited for where we're at right now with the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. You can go check that out wherever podcasts can be found. We're talking about college football, the NFL draft, player acquisition, team building. It's a year-round process, and we're, we've been having those discussions on a constant weekly basis over there on the Journey to the Draft. So make sure you're subscribed to that, again, wherever podcasts can be found. All right, let's get now to the next segment of our show. It's time for our scouting report on Daniel Jones. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Daniel Jones was a guy that I felt like I was a little bit higher on than most in the media. Obviously, the Giants were very, very high on him, taking him in the top 10. But most in the media, I would say, looked down on the selection. I was actually, I feel pretty high uh, on Daniel Jones. I mentioned that earlier when talking about him with Greg. Uh, Let's just get right into the notes. And this is all directly from my scouting report on him. Three-year starter in David Cutcliffe's scheme. Lined up primarily in the shotgun in that pro-style spread offense. Very tall kid, solid frame. From a positive standpoint, you know, this is a player with complete command of his offense. He had full autonomy at the line of scrimmage. He was able to change plays, reset protections. He could get through multiple progressions and made full field reads in that offense. And I thought he threw with anticipation and was willing to pull the trigger on tight window throws over the middle of the field, which is great. There are some guys that you'll see some anticipation outside the numbers, isolation routes, you know, comebacks and hitches where the ball comes out early. That's good to see, but I love the guys that are throwing between defenders in the middle of the field where there's more traffic, a little bit more in terms of the threat, a little bit more danger and uh, throwing in that part of the field. When guys are getting rid of the ball early in those situations, now we're cooking with gas in terms of guys that throw with anticipation. I thought he executed subtle moves in the pocket, either stepping up vertically or laterally sidestepping to find room and operate in the boxing ring. In all all that traffic, I thought he looked comfortable under pressure. That's something that, to me, I've seen with him throughout the course of his rookie season here in New York. Uh, He will make a throw with the defender bearing down. He can change his arm angle to throw around a free runner as well. He had a quick, compact release. Uh, you can tell the Cutcliffe has been working with him because honestly, you can see that he throws very similarly. The way he carries the ball, the way he releases it, very similar to the Mannings, both Peyton and Eli. So you can tell he's gotten that same kind of coaching. He's got a solid arm. He doesn't have a cannon, but he's got a solid arm. Certainly can make all the throws. And his accuracy and ball placement, I thought, were very good. He didn't have many straight-up misses. Typically has was able to put it right on the move, especially on a moving target, even when he was on the run. So uh, Impressive touch to all areas. You like the ball placement. Arm strength was just fine. And I thought he was just athletic enough to be involved in you know the RPOs, the move the pocket plays, sprint outs and bootlegs and nakeds. He could do all those different things for you. And he had just enough ability to be able to create. And from a negative standpoint, again, not a top-level athlete. I thought that he had just enough athleticism to be able to create. And he would have to learn to work from under center. The numbers, obviously the production was not great. A lot of that I would put to the supporting cast, the situation that he was kind of dealing with but 
This was a tough kid. Remember last year, he had a broken collarbone, came back with it just a couple weeks later after surgery, which is kind of unheard of, and, and playing for that Duke team, he was really, really impressive on film. Uh, had a good week down at Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and when you go back and you talk about uh, what the Giants saw in this kid, a lot of that has come to fruition here this season. I know that the numbers have not always been great, but uh, this is a kid that I wrote, had the ability to be a starting quarterback, and over short stretches could carry your team, but would really benefit from a really strong supporting cast. He's got a great running back, obviously, in Saquon Barkley. They're continuing to build up the weapons around him. They're going to continue to fortify that offensive line as well. But I think Daniel Jones is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL for a long, long time. All right, that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here uh, at the NovaCare Complex, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We will talk to you next week.